Praise God. Thank you, Janet Lee. That was absolutely stupendous. And I just love those songs about the story of Jesus because Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our God. And praise, praise the Lord, God. Praise the Lord. And hello, everybody out there in broadcast land. We are here today with a lot of exciting innovations of thought. And uh, we want to share them with you. And we want you to come on board because the glory train is tracking through the space of time. And God bless you in this way. The Bible says, blessed are they that hear these things and see these things. Sometimes just hearing the word of God is a blessing. Jesus said to his disciples, you are very blessed because there have been people in, in olden times, uh, even among the prophets, that really wanted to know these things, but it was not revealed to them. And he said, many things have been kept as a mystery, but they are now being revealed to you. So God does have special people that he reveals his revelations to. And you are special today because you are on board the glory train. And I want to welcome all of you that are listening and all of you in the future that will be listening. And then I want to introduce a new thing uh, today that the Lord has put on me. And what that is, is the Lord has showed me that each time I do a broadcast, I am to imbue it with the word of God of healing and that he will reveal to me each time that we do a service uh, a broadcast uh, what particular uh, mode of healing to imbue into the message. Uh, we understand this, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. So God has the power and, and the revelation of the word itself being made flesh. And you must know that when God's word is made flesh, it's not made with a bunch of defects. It's not made <clears throat> with it being sick. So praise be the name of God. We just, we just glorify his name. And we want to talk to you about uh, that this first revelation is about psychosomatic uh, disorders. <clears throat> now, psychosomatic disorders, uh, they are along the line of uh, stress, depression. Uh, they can be things that are caused by infections. They can be things caused by uh, genetic defects. Many things, even the environmental, can cause uh, psychosomatic disorders. There are actually two words there put together to make one long word. Psycho means mind and, and somatic means body. So we are talking about disorders of the mind and disorders of the body. Uh, along the line of some of these disorders in the body being caused because of disorders in the mind. Doesn't mean you're crazy. It just means that there are signals within the body where receptors might be closed or the wrong signals are, are, are being sent to the wrong places. And this is caused because of some uh, interference 
that has um, opened up and is causing the signals to be deviated. So as we minister this word today, the power of the living God is going to energize and imbue into the teaching the power of, of, uh, of, of psychosomatic healing. And, and that covers many other kinds of, <clears throat> of diseases. And uh, we, just, we just thank and praise God, you know, for, for that availability. Praise. Just take a moment to praise him. All right. Now, let's just look at this. And let's think about this subject today because, um, you know, uh, God has done some sort of beautiful things. They're cute things. They're, I think, blessed things. Uh, <clears throat> you know, there is such a differentiation between the images of God and the images of Lucifer, Satan. Uh, for instance, uh, we have now come to understand that uh, some of the birds that are on earth uh, contain, um, you know, um, aspects uh, in, in, in uh, their um, embryonic state uh, uh, that, that um, are dinosauric and uh, that those, uh, those embryonic aspects fall off as the, uh, as the aspect of narrowing in to, to what the genetic uh, DNA uh, creative points are. Uh, but they are looking at uh, the possibility <coughs> of, um, of uh, you know, re-engineering some of those, uh, um, uh, you know, of those uh, embryonic uh, forms and, and uh, reversing them. So as you would reverse them, then uh, some of the tails and some of the different attributes uh, uh, of the dinosaurs would, would then uh, be nurtured uh, to, to stay on the, the bird. And they would just keep nurturing that and taking it further and further back until they began to have, you know, the making of dinosaurs. Well, um, so... You know, birds, we always think of birds, and, and especially those particular ones that they're dealing with and right now are chickens. And uh, isn't it interesting how f uh, famously popular chicken is as a protein to eat and, and the eggs and all of that. <clears throat> but there's different kinds of birds, um, you know, and, and you can see like even in the eagle and the owl, you can see that sort of there's the potential of that dinosaur uh, tendency and and uh, you know the idea of recessive uh, uh, you know uh, uh, training of of the um, DNA and molecular and so forth uh, to bring back these creatures uh, what what a thing what what a thing and yet we're not out of birds because you know the a, a dove descended upon Jesus Christ and and this was a like the the form of a dove it represented the holy ghost the holy ghost took on the form of a dove as it descended you know so when the holy spirit takes on a form we call it the holy ghost like in, in when the uh, manifestation of the cloven tongues of fire on the day of uh, pentecost uh that then was the holy ghost if it's the spirit then uh, the spirit 
is not necessarily uh, in any form, but when the containment of a certain aspect of that uh, glory of the uh, of God in the form of the Holy Spirit begins to to be uh, put into a certain uh, totality, then it, it uh, takes on a form, and then those that form is the differentiation between uh, Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit. Uh, it's much more to be taught on that. Well, you know, um, God has dealt with me, and I, I call it cute, and I call it, I love it, you know. Uh, one time, uh, he had this feather from way up in the sky, and the light was reflecting on it. And and I, I watched it as I sat in the car with the door open. It was a hot day in, in August, I believe, and um, uh, several years ago. And this feather just kept coming down and kept coming down. And I saw, and when I first saw it, it was just way, way off. But it just kept coming toward me. And it finally, it and I had my feet down on the uh, on the the asphalt. I was parked in a parking lot. Uh, and at a motel, we were we were just uh, at that time searching for where we were going to live, and uh, <clears throat> it fell at my feet, and it was a white white uh, feather, and God just began to deal with me, you know, because I especially noticed how that the the pinna of the feather, uh, you know, stuck out, and and I thought in terms of like when you're writing with a, a pinna and in ink, and you're writing like in the scrolls. And how that that was a word from God saying, you know, uh, I have a plan. Do not be discouraged. Do do not be separated from from, uh, from my will. Just believe and know that I am with you. Yea, I am with you until the end of the world. And and continue to to put out this word. Continue to minister it. Continue to write it. And and it was just such an encouragement. Well, at different times when uh, uh, and and recently, um, I had another experience when I was talking about a special thing, and I opened the car the, the car door, and when I got out as I got home, there was another white feather just right where I would step out of the car. Well, yesterday, a fairly good size uh, uh, white feather looked sort of like a pinna, you know, was <clears throat> in the yard. In the front yard on the lawn, and uh, it's it was just uh, <coughs> excuse me, it's just amazing to have that that like a message, like God saying, you know, hey, here I am, I'm with you, and this message that you're going to be uh, ministering by the Holy Spirit tomorrow is going to be very important, and of course, he this is part of this reveal of that imbuing of the Spirit of healing. You know, for those people with uh, psychosomatic problems, and uh, that that really can cover quite a few few things. But I will tell you something: that there's not too many things uh, more uh, harmful, you know, of the spirit and mind and body than depression. And and uh, I'm just uh, believing God reaching out and healing you. His He loves you so much. You know, I don't think people understand. The love of God. You know, the Bible says God is love. And I don't think that they just, that, that people just totally understand this love of God and, and how utterly, you know, precious that it, it, it is because uh, it, is, it is just beyond anything that, that, that people uh, uh, even possibly think about. When, when God was dealing with Jonah, 
for instance, uh, he dealt with him using two things, the gourd and the worm. And he had decided that he was just going to go sit out in this hot place and wait until the city was destroyed. Uh, but he was very concerned that if it wouldn't get destroyed, he, how bad he would look. He wasn't too worried about uh, the, you know, the people that, that would die. Uh, and, uh, but he was just more worried about how it would look if, if, if you know, his word didn't come to pass. And, and he was... Uh, ready to just, if, if, it, if it's not going to come to pass, because I know, uh, you know, Jonah said, that you're a merciful God, you're slow to anger, and you've got a, you're great of kindness, and, and, and you, you re repent of, of, of the evil. And um, so, you know, uh, people don't understand, you know, they think that God repents. You know, God doesn't repent. But God takes on the sin of the people, and, 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 and creates the act of repentance for them through the Spirit. And then he takes that on, you know, like through Jesus Christ. And, and, uh, and then that allows those people to be spared. And so um, Jonah was sitting there, and, and it was really hot, and, and he caused a, an instant gourd to grow up over him and shade him. Oh, Jonah just thought that was really wonderful because it produced this produced this uh, cooling type of shadow and delivered him, you know, from uh, a lot of the heat and, and discomfort and, and, and was, um, you know, uh, even delivered him from, from his grief, the Bible says. This is in the book of, of Jonah, chapter 4. And then when the next day came up, God brought the, uh, sent a worm, and the worm killed the, the gourd, and it immediately just died, and, and Jonah was just angry. And God said, are you angry because of the gourd? And he said, you, you do well to be angry, even unto, and, he, and he says, yes, I'm angry unto death. And the Lord said, well, you know, uh, thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither madeth it to grow which came up in a night and perished in a, in a night. Um, and should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand? So God knows when people don't know how to think right. God knows when people are confused. God knows when people aren't able to make the right decisions. And, and, and he's willing to to, to have the Holy Spirit enter into a spirit of repentance in, in proxy for them. But there was something else that God said. And I'm saying all this for the benefit of this, of, of this prayer that we're imbuing in this teaching. God said, you know, you know, there's all these people that can't discern. There, there's six score. Six score. That is, you know, six score thousand. That is a lot of people. But then he added something. In addition to those people, he says, and also much cattle. And when I read that, I thought, oh, my God. You, you do say in your word how you, you even know when a sparrow falls to the ground. You care about even animals. You, your love is so great. Your love is so wonderful. Because even the cattle that would be killed by this terrible thing that would happen uh, to, to, to this city and all of its people. 
there it would kill the cattle, and God even cared about them. Now, don't you think for one minute that God does not care about you because he does. And yes, there are things that can happen, like a gourd will come along that God will use, and it'll spare you for a while. But don't get the leaning on, depending on that. That's to learn a lesson from. And when the worm comes along that's also sent by God, that's to make that lesson be foremost so that it helps you to have a lattice change. It helps you to start thinking right. Oh, praise the name of God. Okay, let's get into this message. To get into this message, we've got to do some things that, that the Bible tells us that we should do. And uh, one of the, the things that, that the Bible says, you know, to do is uh, a very important uh, scripture found in the 51, 51st chapter of the book of, um, of Isaiah. Isaiah 51, and we'll look at verse 6. 51.6, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. I don't think that, especially at the time that this was written, and even in this time now, now uh, do people uh, ingenerate to the scope of what those words are saying. That in order to know about the earth, you really need to be able to lift up your eyes and understand about the heavens. If you really want to know what the plan for the earth was, if you really want to know what God's disposition and his intent was for the earth, then you need to be able to have knowledge by looking up to the stars of heaven. Now, the incredible aspect of that is even more than a person might think. For let's look at that. We're in, in Isaiah 51, 6. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, it's plural, and look upon the earth beneath. Now, here you are standing on the earth, and God's saying, now look up to the, to the heavens above, and then look upon the earth beneath. He is promoting that there is a possibility of being able to, to be so uh, spiritually transported of mind that you are actually lifted up by the Spirit, like Ezekiel, remember, when he was lifted up by that lock of hair? And in our teaching, we showed that this was actually represented as Zith taking him up. And it says, then, he says, look upon the earth. And then it says, for. And it, now, this is a, a special kind of preposition this preposition is actually a determining preposition. It's a, it's a causation type of, of, uh, of preposition. Be for or because the heavens shall vanish away like smoke. Now, the heavens vanish away like smoke. Now, I want you to get this. And then it says, And the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. Now, the heavens become like smoke. They vanish because they come like smoke. But the earth is still there, and it's, it's so ancient. It's been around for so long that it's like a, a, a really incredibly ancient garment that waxes old. And then it says, and those that are on the earth... They're going to die in like manner. They're just going to get old, old, 
old and older. Now, that's a totally different story than most people are being told, although the Holy Manifest story is telling this revelation. When it speaks of the thousand generations times 70 times, times uh, and times 80 that the Bible gives, both in Psalms 105 and Psalms 90. But what does that mean? How can the heavens disappear and the, and the, the earth still be there? Well, you have to understand what it's talking about. What it is talking about is that space, which is also one of the, called heaven, and there's much space, different space, and so there are heavens of space. That's one of the heavens, I think, that we mentioned uh, last week or the week before, uh, you know, as, as there's the heaven that is of a planet, which is the firmament, and then there's the abiding type of heavens, but this, there's also the heavens of space. The space is going to shrink. And how is it going to shrink? Because of the, the new inventions and the new ways of, 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 of traveling through space and being transported. So that, so that far, far distances of space are going to be made the most minor as, as time is concerned. Because you're just going to be able to get from where you are to where you want to go almost like in a thought. And when you begin to see these things, it's just absolutely beautiful. Okay. Just a moment here. Um, now, here's what we have to look at. Here's what we have to consider. God is telling the people of the world Lift up your eyes to the heavens. You need to know things about the heavens. And we're here today to share some things about the heavens. And that's why we're giving you these scriptures so you'll listen. Interestingly, this is the same chapter, chapter 51 of Isaiah, that also has the verse in it, just several scriptures down, that says in verse 16, and remember, this lift up your eyes to, to heaven was verse 6, so just 10 more verses, and it says, I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens, and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. I want you to connect with this, I want you to link with this, I want you to understand that this connection of, of the heavens and understanding the heavens and shrinking the, the, the lack of knowledge and shrinking uh, the ignorance is all part of the plan of God to plant the heavens. And he says, when you, I plant these heavens, it will lay the foundations of the earth. And then he says, I will say unto you, thou art my people. Then I will say unto you, Thou art my people. Now look at Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his, holy, his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. Now keep that scripture in mind, because a little bit later I'm going to get into something on this thing of, of what represents 
the degrees of the day and the degrees of the night. Day into day, utter speech. Day into day, you know, the 180 degrees of revelation, which equals the number 12. There's 360 degrees of revelation if you're including the day and the night. And you don't really see the stars to speak of unless you see them in the night. So when you get the whole 360 degrees, you get the 12 hours of the day and the 12 hours of the night. And it's that 24-hour sweep of the, uh, of the clock, so to speak, of the circle, so to speak, that gives you the 360 degrees, which I'll get into a little bit more later. And so then... We've got day unto day uttering speech and night unto night showing knowledge. You've got speech, you've got word, that's coming in the daytime. But now, when you get into the night, you're starting to be able to see something because of the contrast. You're starting to be able to see worlds, that, you know, just all over, all, over, all over the heavens because of the contrast of the darkness to the light. This thing of the contrast to the darkness of the light is like the contrast sometimes between the gourd and the worm. The gourd wasn't as interested in the worm as the worm was interested in the gourd. But there was a connection. And of course the Bible calls us worms. And basically the things we do, the things we think as worms is oftentimes the instrument that destroys the gourd that God gave us to help us get through the heat of the time. Now, let's go on. Verse 3. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. This declaration of the heavens which represents the glory of God and shows his handiwork, incorporates a day-by-day speech and a night-by-night knowledge. And there is no speech, there's no language. Whether it be images, signs, wonders, or different dialects, that this voice of the heavens is not heard. But hearing is one thing, receiving and understanding is another, and God is moving on you people that are listening here today to prepare your minds to hear the word of the Lord, to open your hearts. It is time to appreciate the gourds that he has raised up in your life, in your family, to shelter you from the storms of life. It is time to thank God for the message of, of, of the manifesto Yada that is not my message. It's a message that, that, that God gave me. I'm just the vessel through which it comes, like a telephone. <clears throat> Verse 4. Their lying has gone out through all the earth, 
and their words to the end of the world. Paul said in Romans 10, have, have they heard the gospel? He said, yes, they have. Because the sound, the line he called the sound, has gone out. It's, it's everywhere. There is no, no, no person, there is no person that has not heard this. Are you listening to me, people? I just hope you are. Blessed be the name of God. And their words to the end of the world, in them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. Now the sun, the sun and the tabernacle. Why is there a tabernacle? Why is there this spiritual place? Because every month, every, every month, there is a new the, a zodiac figure that is moving along in the path of, uh, of the sun. And so every, every month, for 12 months, there are 12 zodiac signs. And there are tremendous messages in those zodiac signs. And the zodiac signs called, you know, uh, uh, called Mazoreth in the 38th chapter of Job. It's Bible. It's real. It's the Word of God. He set a tabernacle in the pathway of the sun. And we're going to talk about that pathway also. How important is that pathway? How important is that tabernacle? Well, verse 5, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. You're not even in the race if you haven't gotten into the gospel of the stars because you're not even into Abraham. Because that's Bible, and I'm going to show it to you. You want to get into the bridegroom? You want to be, be you know, the, the ten virgins that, that have oil in their lamp? Or you want to be the ten virgins that knew all about religious things but didn't have any oil in their lamp? Which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber the revelation of the bridegroom ministry coming out of the secret place beneath the stairs. And this chamber of the mysteries of God from the foundations of the world that have been hidden, being revealed, becoming knowledge to people so they understand the word and the power of the living God and its revelation that he has written in the, uh, of the gospel of the stars. And rejoices. When you begin to see this revelation, you will shout, you will jump, you will raise your hands and wave a wave offering unto God. And you will do it as a strong man ready to run the race of the times of life because it will make you strong to know these things. And what will you come to understand? You will come to understand that his, meaning, the, meaning God's, going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit, 
There are circuits, ladies and gentlemen. This is one of the first things that when I received the, 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 the manifest word came back to my memory. The first things that came back for months and months after the angel Gabriel said, I, he put these things in my mind and I would not remember them. And I tell you, I didn't. I didn't remember any of the things until months later, all of a sudden the word began to come. When the electrovimatic waves of the soundtron are electrosynchronized to the internal and the external particles of fire, a circuit is produced. And these circuits are the circuits that the angels can travel faster than the speed of light. And that was the first word from the Holy Manifest I received from Gabriel, the circuits. His going forth is from the end of the heavens and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. And when you really get into the gospel last week, I shared with you like this thing in the in, in book of Malachi and about this furnace heat, that, what that really amounted to was as revealed in Revelation and other books, that this was talking about the intense holy fire, the Holy Ghost and fire of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his fiery word that will purify you and cleanse you. Now it's so interesting that after this sixth verse, and after all of this about the heavens, that it immediately goes in to this next word that says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Don't you see it, people? Don't you get it? All of this thing about the heavens, all of this day unto day, uttering speech, night unto night, uttering and showing knowledge, all this line, which we call the sound tron, because in the 10th chapter of, of um, the book of Romans, uh, the word line is transliterated to sound. Don't you see that that is all connected? It's just as connected to this verse 7, and it's interesting, this verse 7. It's just as connected as a part of the numerations. As your arm is connected to your shoulder and your shoulder to your body. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You say, I'm just simple-minded. I can't, I, can't, I can't do this. Don't you believe the Word of God? Don't you believe the Bible? The Bible says, nothing will be hid from the heat thereof. And that's part of the law of God. That's part of the law of God, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. And this, this law of God is going, you know, of the Lord is sure. S-U-R-E is sure. Sure for what? Making wise the simple. If you, if you are in a simple complex and your mode of life is just simplicity and you've always thought that you just didn't have the capability. You just didn't have the capability to know these things. You're wrong, because it is the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Spirit, that's going to endude, endow you with power. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord 
the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. This word of God is going to enlighten your, your eyes. It, the word is life. The word is the bread of life, the communion of life. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much fine gold, and sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warmed, and in keeping them there is a great reward. Wow. Now, how does this all connect? How does it all connect? Well, listen to me, and let's, let's really get into this, this revelation. Listen to what it says here. In Genesis 22, 7, he's talking to Abraham, I believe, <clears throat> And he's already told him in Genesis 15, 5, Look now toward the heavens, and tell the stars if thou art able to number them. So shall thy seed be. Genesis 22, 17, Thy seed are, shall be as the stars. Genesis 26, 4, Thy seed shall be as the stars. Numbers 24, 17, there shall come a star out of Jacob. <laughs> First Chronicles twenty-seven twenty-three: Thy seed shall be as the stars. Nehemiah nine twenty-three: Thy seed shall be as the stars. Now, let's look at something. Let's let's consider that there is revelation here that is just boiling and turning into steam. Because Second Peter 1.19 says about the day star arise in your heart. You want to know the insights of God, the revelation of God? It's about knowing about Jesus when you look up to the stars. If all of the things were written that should be written, I suppose that the world could not contain it. And that word for world, in the last chapter of the book of John and the last verse, was cosmos. I suppose that even the universe could not contain it all. Lift up your eyes and behold the heavens that the day star may arise in your heart. God is wanting the day star to arise in your heart today. The day star to rise in your heart. And Revelations 8.10 promises to the people that overcome, I will give him the morning star. And who is that morning star? In Revelations 22.16 it says that Jesus is the bright and morning star. Wow. 
God bless you. We're going to take a break. Janet Lee will play the organ.
Thank you, Janet Lee. Just love it. Thank you so much. Here we go, people. I want to start off with a scripture in the book of Revelations, chapter 5, verse 3. This is an important verse. <clears throat> Let's just, however, start with chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written, wherein within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loosen the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look upon or to look thereon. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a book of knowledge. There's a book of revelation. There are levels of revelation, even as there are levels of angels. Notice in verse 2, and I saw a strong angel. <clears throat> if all of the angels were exactly the same strong, the same level of strength, then you wouldn't make a special preference, and I saw a strong angel. But you are indicating by that statement that there are angels that are strong, that are specifically strong, and there are other angels that are not specifically strong. There are different strengths, different levels. And this revelation is coming on the right-hand side of him that sits on the throne. And the book is written within and on the back side, and it's sealed with seven seals. And the question is, who is, who is worthy to open this book? Now listen to this, verse 3. And no man in heaven, no man in heaven? Now, when the book of Revelations was written, humans did not have airplanes. Humans did not have rockets. <coughs> at least that was prevalent in that age, during that time. So who were these men in heaven compared to the men on earth and even the men that lived under the earth? Because I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> either this revelation that happened of the book has not happened yet. And it's talking about a day when people will be living in the heavens like 
Isaiah 51, we'll plant the heavens. And people will be living underneath the earth. They'll have underground cities. Now, there had been some underground cities, but most of those were built by the giants who lived underground. Giants of Bashan. <clears throat> which is over by Mount Hermon. Now, now listen. Here we have no man in heaven was worthy, which meant that there was humans there that lived in heaven and by this time, ladies and gentlemen, this is another proof of the humans. Man, human, not alien, man. That were living at the Father's house. Artura, not our Arturus. Don't get Arturus and Artura confused. They're, they're not the same. <coughs> they have a link, but they're not the same. So this is another proof that when this revelation came at the time that it came, because John, who gave this, lived after the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And he received this revelation after he had been cast into a pot of oil and, and then left to die on the, on the Isle of Patmos. But there were men in heaven. And, and, and Jesus knew that. And Jesus said that. And we've taught you this. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Two in the field, one taken, one left. Two at the mill, one taken, one left. And it happened. There was only eight saved by water, but there was a lot of the sons of Enoch that were saved by air. Then we shall be caught up to meet him in the air. That, he said, is going to happen just like it did in the days of Noah. And so here's the scripture saying, yeah, there was humans in heaven, but none of them, none of those people on that planet, other than one person, Jesus Christ, Melchizedek, and the Father were the only ones worthy to open that book. And the interpose of it was the elders said, Weep not, verse 5. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Wow. These scriptures are important. The Bible says in Obadiah 4, pre-seeing, forecasting, that there will be a time that there's going to be all kinds of people that are going to go out into the universe, that the heavens are going to be planted in many different places. It says in Obadiah 4, Obadiah 4, Though thou set thy nest among the stars, 
thence will I bring thee down. Wow. And in Revelations 14, 6, the Bible says that the angels will fly in heaven preaching the everlasting gospel. Do you need more proof than that? And like the other week that I gave you in Luke 2.13, a multitude of heavenly hosts. The revelation of Gabriel in 126 that was just preceding the two, chapter 2.13 of Luke, tying all that revelation in to the archangel Gabriel and and the multitude of heavenly hosts being the, the angels. Ladies and gentlemen, it is so beautiful, the Word of God. And don't forget the teachings that we've done of the three bosoms. Luke 16, 22, by the, taken by the angels unto Abraham's bosom. Luke 16, 22. John one eighteen, the Father's bosom. No doubt at the Father's house. We've got two different bosoms. Then we have the intermediary bosom, the, the angels gathering them in the ziths and transporting them. Isaiah 40.11 shall gather and lead them and carry them in his bosom. Wow. And the angelic flight team and, and their crafts are also explained in Matthew twenty four thirty one, And that one that I just quoted of the bosom of these angelic engines, we call them, pilots, in the Ziths and, and the Planetomes, Isaiah forty eleven. We've got to move. We've got a lot to cover. Now, we're going to be talking about the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper. And we have to understand, you know, that there has to be a way of being able to detect these things as far as locations, as far as stars and planets. And right now they're, they're, they're looking for planets. They've found over a thousand planets. And they're beginning to find planets now that, that are more like the Earth. And uh, it's so neat that all this is going on. Well, there is a thing in, in the, my Facebook, in a new page that we've added, that um, has to do a little bit with astrophysics. There is a subject that the astronomers and astrophysic uh, are physician, uh, the, uh, uh, the the people that are involved in astrophysics, the physicists and astronomers, and they call it gravitational lin uh, lensing, and this is a phenomena where light from a celestial uh, source, it could be a star, 
It could be a whole galaxy. It is deflected by a massive object, or can be deflected, such as some kind of mass of, of uh, gravity, which could be dark energy or dark matter. And there's lots of it out there. So that when this light of a, of a star or stars or galaxy is deflected to the observer, even those looking in telescopes, they see multiple images then of the same light source. So instead of seeing a million stars, they see millions of millions of stars. Instead of seeing three or four galaxies, they're seeing hundreds of thousands of galaxies because this gravitational lensing in the way that it causes the light of those stars and galaxies to reflect, it puts them into multiplicity. So they are now beginning to see all kinds of things to where they are beginning to wonder if what they are looking at, what they are seeing, is actually what really is. Interesting that years and years and many years ago, when God began to deal with me and speak with me, that one of the things that the Holy Manifest said, what you see is what is not. What you see is not what is. They're beginning now to have all kinds of upset and wonder about many of the scientific studies that they were sure had to be the real thing. And it's all in the upset basket. Now, there is a path of the sun. We've talked about how the path makes this circuit and incorporates a travel from passing one zodiac sign to another. These zodiacs are old, ladies and gentlemen. They've been around. Now, people have been misinformed about this type of thing. They, they confuse astronomy with astrology. Astrology is clearly, by the Bible, an, a no-no. But astrology is not astronomy. And the very term uh, for ast astronomy, astron, is a Bible term. And it can also mean a star. So in the book that I've written, The Seven Thunders, I believe I've explained some of that. And there actually was, it describes this personality called astron. And so, in the course of time, as you're being brightened and your knowledge is increasing, and even now, as, as the power and the holy, of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost is engendering you and infusing into your body the capability to know these things, even now, 
you can understand these things by the Spirit. And as they are put into your mind, just like the Holy Manifest to me when I received it, at first I couldn't remember it, and it was a blank, but then it began to come. These things are being sown into you as you listen to them, and it will come. So this path that the sun takes is called the elliptic, E-L-I-P-T-I-C, the elliptic. And the elliptic is the path, path of the sun. Now, the Milky Way, which is the galaxy that we are in, has an equator just like our Earth has an equator. Sometimes it's called a plane. And, and this is important because this has to do with helping us understand why sometimes it is not as easy for the best telescopes that exist to find all of the potentials as planets that exist because of the different perpendicular uh, angles. And in this particular case, the, the equator of the Milky Way is tilted about 60 degrees to the plane of the elliptic. Now, the plane of the Earth's orbit around the sun is part of that elliptic because it follows the path of the sun which I said the elliptic is the path of the sun, but the earth follows that path. And so do the planets of the solar system because they, they circle the sun and they, they follow that path. So the sun and the, and, and, and the earth is nearly in the same plane because the earth circles the sun. And even the rest of the planets are usually found as being close to the elliptic. Remember, the elliptic is the path of the sun. Now, let me help you to understand this, this tilt of the 60 degrees and why this is important. Let's look and let's say that you've got a big clock, okay? And you've got the 12 at the top, and then it goes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and back to 12. That is a circle. Now, there are, there are different kinds of circles. But let's use the clock. Jesus says, are there not 12 hours in a day? Why should a man stumble if he's walking in the day? So, when we look at this, and if we, we take it in the 12-hour circle, then from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock is 45 degrees. To 6 o'clock is another 45 degrees, which makes it 90. To 9 o'clock is another 45 degrees, which makes it 135, and from 9 o'clock to 12 again with a, is another 45 degrees, which makes it 180. Now, that gives you the day. 
you have the 12 hours of the day. Now when you get, you add to it the 12 hours of, of, of a night so that you have what is called one day because the 12 hours is only part. It's not the day and the night, which is what equals a day, a yom. So then, when you go all the way around again, then that 45 increases to 90, and the 90 increases to 180, and you just keep going right on around until, you, until, until you know, to the when when you're at the the the, the nine, you're 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 at ninety, you're two seventy, and you go all the way back up to the to the to the noon. You, you now are three sixty. You've got the day and the night. Just by using your clock. So, if you're if you're using a day figure, and you're going from noon to to three o'clock. Then, if it's a day day angle, that's forty five degrees. But if it's a full circle of the day and the night, it's a ninety degree angle. And these these angles are used different ways in 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 math and physics and so forth. So then, if from twelve o'clock to three o'clock is forty five degrees, then you've only got to go a short additional distance to get 60 degrees. You only need 15 degrees. And so when you divide that, that, 40, that 45 into 15s, you just need to go a third of the space between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock to have 60 degrees. Then when you take that line of 60 degrees and you draw it right up through the 12, you are equal to what's called the equator or the plane of the Milky Way. So that you see then that the plane of the Milky Way is quite a bit different from the elliptic of the path of the sun. So this is why your astronomers will tell you that because planets travel along the elliptic that the Milky Way, the Little Dipper, in the Little Dipper is nowhere near because of that 60 degree difference. So it is not just simple Simon for them to discover planets that are not going to be in the, the elliptic or relative to the elliptic, such as the Little Dipper and the Big Dipper, because they are on a, a, a different relationship to the equator of the Milky Way because of its tilt of 60 degrees. Now, that may seem to not mean anything to you, but ultimately you will understand that it is actually very, very important because as we 
we move up into the spectrum of, of time and I start beginning to describe things to you in a more technical way, I will teach you so that if I give you the ascension and the declination, which declination is something similar to a latitude, and I speak of a magnitude, for instance, if a star has 2.5 magnitude, like for instance, the North Star, the Northern Star, Polaris, has incredible magnitude. So that it is many, 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 many times brighter than the sun. Well now, you know that Mercury, which is a planet closer to the sun, it's just so hot and boiling that it's not it's hostile it's it's not livable and venus is also really not livable and earth is the first planet because of its distance from the sun but if the sun was 40 times of a you know brighter of a of a greater magnitude <laughs> you would have to really be a far distance away before you could benefit from the, that magnitude and heat. And, and I'm not saying that magnitude is 100% exactly the same thing as the, the heat intensity. But it, is, it, it does have an approximity. So when you understand and you start talking about Polaris, it's one of the brightest stars in, in the universe, and it is one of the stars on the ladle of the, of the Little Dipper, which is in Asia Minor. And it's the Asia Minor where the Father's house is. And when you see these stars in the heavens, and they're out most all the time, you can usually always find the Little Dipper and the Big Dipper, you you have to realize that these stars that don't look that far apart to your naked eye or to your t t telescope, they they are <laughs> they are so far apart. It, they are they are just hundreds and hundreds and thousands of 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 you know miles and and light years apart. So it's very very important to understand that. It's just very, very important to to realize that <clears throat> the distances are so vast. Light travels in one year, six trillion miles if we're talking miles, ten trillion uh, kilometers if we're talking kilometers. <coughs> so <coughs> Polaris is three hundred and twenty-three. This is they used to think it was four hundred and thirty-four. And they found their mistake. Now they're saying it's 323 light years from the sun uh, and the earth. Well, Polaris, 323 light years from the sun and the earth. Okay. And light travels in one year 10 trillion kilometers. You would have to multiply 10 trillion times... 323 light years. And I'm telling you, you will really have a Google number. If you see the vastness of the distance, 
which is measured by the speed of light, which can travel in one light year 10 trillion kilometers. It's, it's awesome. But there are some unusual things, like Polaris is aligned with the direction of the Earth's axis. But it is 4,000 times brighter than our sun and seems to stay in a fixed position. These things are important to understand that it is no small thing. No small thing when we start talking about this, the distance of this space. <clears throat> now, yeah, someday, I want to, God willing, <clears throat> give you the astronomy definitions, the ascension, the, the declination, the magnitude, and the degree of uh, unit measurement for angles of the location of the Father's house and of Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom is located in the Big Dipper, which is Asia Major. The Father's house is located in the Little Dipper, which is Asia Minor. Now, keeping all this understood, at this point, I am only going to be sharing with you um, a, um, a point of reference as to where this bosom of Abraham is. And I'm going to say, you know, it is, um, it is, a, it has a point of reference from inside the bowl, B-O-W-L, bowl of the Big Dipper. Now the Big Dipper, you know, has a ladle, and then it has this place that looks like a, a dipper or a bowl, they call it, and it's like it's pouring out, or capable of pouring out something. And this is very, very important to understand why this is the area of the Abrahamic bosom. I will eventually someday get more precise, but it's certainly not meant to be that way right now. So, we know then that there is the star Arturus, and it is, um, it is in the, it, 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 is, it, it is in, you know, um, it points at, let's say, being in the, the Bootes, 
which is very interesting, this constellation, we'll call it of the Buotis. Because it's about this, this man, almost like a Herculean person. And what it means, and, and we we'll, may have time to read about this, is that he's the coming one. And, we, and this, this star Arturus represents all that, the coming one which we know and understand to be Jesus Christ. And the, um, the handle of the dipper points to the star Arturus. And then certain aspects of the the bowl, two of the stars there are pointer stars that start that point to Polaris of the Little Dipper. I explained some of this to you before. Now There are different estimates of the brightness of Polaris. Some say it's 4,000 times more magnitude, and then others put it in a different term called brightness, and they'll say it's 200 times. You know, it, it, it doesn't really matter. It's just we know that one is a whole lot more brighter than another. But here we've got, on the, we've got the constellation, the Drago, the dragon. And it is a long, long constellation. And on one side is the Big Dipper, and on the other side of it is the Little Dipper. And the tail of the dragon, the, the, the constellation dragon, encircles around about the Little Dipper, including, of course, the star Polaris. Now, we read these scriptures about looking up to the heavens. So we need to understand that it is very, very important. And we've revealed to you in the past about the trillion ophanims that fell. This gives it the math in the, in the book of Revelation. And there is a division between the six, 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 and the three, three, four of the billions that ultimately represent the one trillion. And we have a division also of the major flock, which is many, many times more people and souls than the, the Asia Minor flock. So there's two flocks, the great flock and the little flock. And Jesus explained that <coughs> in the 10th chapter of John. He called those flocks foals, which is another perfect name to describe uh, the, 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 the great flock and the little flock. He says, 
another fold I have, uh, other sheep I have that's not of this fold. This fold was the Abrahamic fold. And he said, there's another fold. So we know now in our teachings that's the Melchizedek fold. <clears throat> well, the great fold is the Abrahamic fold. But the other fold, which is the little fold, the, the little flock, is the Melchizedek fold, the Father's house. So we, uh, we begin to get then into all kinds of possibilities. You know, we could use divine ratios, like for the a thousand billion that would equal a trillion uh for for the the references of of you know the six 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 number and and the the three 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 uh, or 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 the three thirty four uh and how all of these uh connect in the different ways they they connect and how that that one year uh, 1 Kings 10 and 14, that all of the gold that came in, including the gold that was brought in by the Queen of Sheba to, to, Sol to Solomon, added up to be 666 billion talents. And it's very interesting, without going back and looking at my notes. Yeah, no, 666 talents of gold in one year. Now, there was a symbolic connection with that and the meaning of that to this whole thing about the number 666. And yet, all these things are confolded together. And we begin to see, you know, that... As we get into this revelation, of the of 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 the 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 two sevens, and someone might want to say, "Well, how how do we know that there are two sevens? Well, I I, I want to show that to you as we begin to, you know, to see see this revelation." It is just incredible. Because the Bible talks in the book of Genesis, or pardon me, the book of Revelation, about the seven stars and the seven spirits. So as we begin to see this revelation of the seven spirits and the seven stars, I want to be able to show you, and I know I'm going to have to go into next week to even begin to get into this message. I want to be able to show you how that these seven stars and seven spirits, that the seven spirits represent the seven stars of the Little Dipper. The seven spirits of God are angels, the Bible says. But they are plural angels representing the seven different universes. And Jesus is involved with them. He is totally involved with them, absolutely. Because that's throne ministry. 
And they will be part of the great white throne ministry of the, of, of, of the final judgment. But Jesus is not only involved with them as the Son of God, but he's also involved with the, the other seven stars, which represent the, the Big Dipper, Asia Major, because that represents Abraham's bosom. And so Jesus, as the Son of Man, represents Abraham's bosom, because the Bible says he chose not to come be born as an angel, but he chose to take on the seed of Abraham. And so then there's the kinsman-redeemer connection to the bosom of Abraham. So we have the Son of Man representing the Son. We have the Son of Man, which is Jesus, representing Abraham's bosom. And we have the Son of God, Jesus, Melchizedek, And the Father, representing the Little Dipper, the seven eyes of God, which are the seven spirits of God. And Jesus is in the midst of both of those when you read the scriptures in the book of Revelation. He's, he's involved. He's holding one group of seven, and he's involved in the other group of seven. So these are the seven and the seven in which you have the seven representative, symbolic, metaphoric Little Dipper stars and the seven Big Dipper stars. And we can connect that because they are on either side of the dragon. And we know that the dragon's tail drew and, and at one time the... Abraham's bosom did not exist because the stars had not fallen. But there was three locations in the heavens where the three groups of angels that came to this galaxy were. And they're described in the 38th chapter of Job. And the one is the father's house. Uh, you know? And... and and this is where this is where the planet Arturus, not Arturus, but Artura was, and where all the Ophidim had a base. Then there's the Orion and the Pleiades. And between those two locations was where you had the the cherubim based and the the seraphim based. So when the dragon came into being, it's because Lucifer, who was set up as the morning star to take the place of Jesus Christ, the morning star, while he was involved in creation, the earth, it took he took the idea and put it into action and convinced the angels to go along with it of the Ophanim order that he wanted to move them. And the Bible tells us that in Jude, that, that, that they were moved. They moved from, from, 
from, from the place that they had been assigned, which was Arturo, our, our, our the father's house. And they moved to where? To the dragon. And then it was that very dragon and the plan of Lucifer Satan that is depicted, written in the stars. Look up into the stars. Read day by day. There's speech. Night by night, there's, there's information. There's knowledge. And he cast one-third of the stars. That means there was a one-third the Ophanim, one-third the Cherubim, one-third the, the, the Seraphim. The Ophanim, the Ophanim were the one-third cast down to the earth. Now, when they're cast down to the earth, the next thing that it records is that Lucifer, Satan, the dragon, is chasing after the woman, which is, which is generally transliterated the church, but that comes from a word that is, doesn't really just mean church, but only as church would represent a group of kind of persons, like of Ophanim or you know, like a, a, a group, a corporation, a group. And so that's what you, you have and what you get into when you begin to see how that this has all happened. And I just can hardly imagine that I am I'm running out of time. And I have not gotten into some of these most awesome things that I want to share with you. But you know what? I think that it's wise that we, we continue it next week. And I'll really be digging out. I'm going to try to start right off with this thing of the, of the candlesticks and the churches. And, and, I'm, I'm going to, and I'm going to open up and I'm going to talk to you about about what's going on out there in the world, about these people, about flying saucers, and some of the things that these people are saying. And, and some of these people are, are you know, have been uh, nuclear scientists, and uh, one pr man was a defense minister uh, of, the, uh, of the Canadian uh, uh, Army and, and, and uh, military forces. And, uh, and I want to show you the entrapment that is being laid by uh, these different things that are being um, put into drama and are really presented as though they are actual, but a lot of what is being said and what is being taught is disinformation and it's cover-up. And I want to get into that in a really big way next week, open up this subject, really open up this subject on the, the two dippers, and uh, really, I'll tell you, it will be an exciting, exciting teaching. Uh, it's, it's just beautiful to be in the hands of God and follow the Lord wherever he leads. And I'm sure that there's people out there with this word that has gone out that have begun to receive into their bodies the healing of their psychosomatic problems. May the Lord just bless you and keep you. And I really appreciate, folks, when you get on the blogs, when you get on the different things we do, and you, you make your comments. It's quite important that you do that. It's a way for you to be in link with us 
and in touch with us. And we pre we pre appreciate, pardon me, very much everything that you do financially. God bless you so much. We do love you. God bless you. Janet on the organ. Thank you.